everyone. Thanks again for tuning in, whether you're on podcast or watching on YouTube. Uh, today, I have another guest from Minnesota. Uh, we have Rick Rude. Rick, how you doing? All's well here, Bryce. How are you doing? I'm awesome, man. It's Friday, even though this might not go on on a Friday. It is Friday. So that's probably why we're smiling so big. Um, what's new in Minnesota, man? You're just telling you've been busy uh, lately. Well, with it being, uh, what, the 19th of November, we have no snow on the ground. We're quite pleased with that. Any day like this is one less day of winter, so we're doing well. However, we're getting a little closer to the good ice fishing season. And uh, so all is, uh, all is well here. The, uh, the professional teams are, are not doing well, uh, which is normal. So we're there. Wrestling's kicking off, and, and all of us that uh, – that really mean anything to the world I live in are all coming into our own right now, Bryce. So two things, one fishing. So what are, what are you catching through the ice? Mostly what are people? Uh, everybody goes after walleye here. Pike oh, is the, the, walleye is the like... fish, but uh, I understand that the, uh, the eerie walleye fishing is pretty good. I may have to slip down there, Bryce. Last year it was insane because it was great because, well, it wasn't great. It was COVID. But uh, I think we went on three charters and you just get your limit every time you're out there for a couple yeah. hours. I mean, the size is nice. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I got a, a kid on our high school team. His dad goes out and the other junior high coach with me, he's out as much as he can to just ripping lips, as they call it. You know, yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, I came down to uh, to Ohio and I was going to actually take a look at that. I went out on Lake Erie, but unfortunately, I got into a charter in Sandusky that took me out to Putin Bay and. Well, I didn't do any fishing. Uh, on the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but there is good fishing on the back end there. If you can get I know what you're saying there. Um, I found but, some round bar and I never left. Oh, the round bar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, good music there, too. Uh, really? Talk, <laughs> so, uh, and sports teams, you're talking about the Vikings, right? Is that what you're talking about? I, I am, yes. Okay, because yes. I think that's a Vikings player in your background there. Well, um, that's Alan Page. That, uh, that is my hero in life right there behind me. Okay. Well, I just want to commiserate with you because I'm a Browns fan and going into this season, if you would have told us with that lineup, we are going to be as horrible as we are. I would have, I would have took that bet. Uh, yeah, it beat us, Bryce. It beat us. Yeah. <laughs> Blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. Um, <laughs> so it's rule season. Uh, let's, let's start at the very beginning. Let's hear your wrestling story. That's what this is. You know, this is all about. How did you get involved first in wrestling? Well, you know, it's a, it's a, I think it's an interesting story, but it's kind of one of uh, self-interest and survival that got me into wrestling. I have two older brothers and they were both in wrestling and I grew up on a farm and, and dad was a hard worker. He grew up on a, on the, on family farm and spent four years in the military and came back to the farm. That was his life. And he said, well, you know, with your two older brothers wrestling, I'm going to need some help milking the cows. So It'd be kind of fun. You and I milking cows. And I'm thinking, wow, dad, that's a blast. <laughs> and uh, soon after that, I, I went out for wrestling. <laughs> so dad milked cows by himself, right? So that was your, that was your get out of milking cows. Uh, card right <laughs> yeah. There. yeah. And I, you know, but thank God my brothers went out for wrestling and not basketball. Cause I probably would have followed their, their footsteps. I wouldn't have lasted long, but, but that's how I got into wrestling. And I just loved it. I had, some fantastic coaches in a little bitty town of Stuartville, Minnesota is where I started wrestling. And uh, we had a huge following, a big wrestling team. Or, you know, there were A, B, and C squads. And 
and oh, cool. it was just uh, just fun, very competitive, and I really enjoyed it. And I I remember it was so troublesome for me to lose a match because I just it just stuck. You know, what did you do wrong? And and it, and, and and really, it turned out to be a very good cerebral process that I went through that I put myself through and and I just beat myself up after every loss and what happened what did he do that you couldn't counter or or what did you not do that you should have done to score more points and I broke that match down into little bitty pieces Bryce every little bitty thing and I put it all back together and said that's it I could not get out of his ride I have to work on that and I would work on it and I'd figure it out and no one would beat me in that with that move again. And, and Bryce is kind of strange because that just became my life. <clears throat> Everything got broken into little pieces, find the piece that's flawed and put it all back together again. I um, ultimately left the farm and, and uh, went to college, got a computer science degree and everything, as you know, in computer science is all pieces, elements, little bitty pieces. And I worked, uh, you know, at IBM as an artificial intelligence programmer. Wrestling is still huge in my background. That's my that's my go-to safe spot uh, when when work is is done or even when it's not. Um, and and later on in life, I I left the computer science piece and went into law. And uh, same 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 thing. Everything is is an element, and you prove the elements. And once you prove the elements, you have a case. And I related all back to wrestling and everything started with wrestling. And I say this to my young officials that are coming up. If you just simply understand the rules, break them into the pieces, put yourself in position so that you know what you're looking for. And it's either there or it's not. And once all of those elements line up, you have a rule. You have satisfied a rule. You make a call. And following that, you know, with the, I guess with the mind that I have is, has been very beneficial and it helps me break down the new rules. It helps me ask the question, why are we doing it this way? And, you know, some great people around the nation and the national federation, of high school sports, specifically the wrestling side are incredibly helpful. There's a man right there in, uh, you know, Ohio, Mr. Vreeland is just so fantastic to work with uh, his explanations on things sometimes have to be told once or twice to really get them through, but they're, they're good. And, and that's how I really, that's how I got into wrestling. I know it's a long way around and it's, it's, it just made such a huge difference in my life, you know, from, from getting out of milking the cows with dad <laughs> to into computer science, to into law, to really developing young officials and, and developing officials around the state of Minnesota and, and elsewhere. Uh, I've told this story at the uh, Iowa wrestling coaches and officials uh, annual meeting. I got an opportunity to speak to them and, and uh, you know, it's the same thing. Some people laugh and some scratch your head, like how in the hell do you do this? <laughs> this doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, I got a chance to speak down at the, at Punahou, Hawaii uh, uh -huh. to, it was a, an organization getting together down there, Hawaiian wrestling officials, and they brought in some people from, from Oregon. <laughs> and uh, we went uh, we went through a lot of the different details of officiating how we do things in Minnesota. And I told the story of the elements and it, it uh, it's been, it's been very good for me. So sorry for the long answer oh. on that, Bryce, but that's, 
that's how I started. That's how I got into this. And this is what I, what I really look at when it's difficult, you've got to break it into pieces. You've got to break it down and find the area that's flawed, fix that, put it all back together again, and you'll have a successful, you'll have a successful element. Yeah. Well, other than, you know, finding the flaw and putting the pieces back together, anytime you have a big problem, right. It's how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? So break it down, you know, and, and, and then obviously you're taking it to a different level. Um, but that's different. That's a different wrestling story than I've had yet. Um, yeah. you, mentioned, you mentioned Ohio and Jim Freeland. Uh, he has ties to my school where I oh, okay. from and where I coach. And actually sure. my shirt, Panther Amateur Wrestling Club. Let's see mm-hmm. Yeah, he was uh, his kids went through some of that there. But yeah, he, uh, he coached right before my dad was in high school. So I know Mr. Freeland really well. The first time I became an official, he was uh, who trained me. Okay. Back in 2001. Um, so that, so that's cool. So that, how did you, I want to, how did you go from computer science to wanting to go to law school? Well, it was, uh, it was something I always wanted to do. I, I, um, Bryce had had these recurring dreams of, of what would life be like? You know, I'm sitting, I'm 70 some years old and I'm sitting on a, on a porch bench and I'd asked the question, what would life have been like had you followed your dream and, and went to law school? And that just kept coming back and coming back and bothering me. And I had a really great position at IBM. I was in advanced technologies and the new AS400 was coming out. This is like 100 years ago. And I was touring the world, just speaking to software developers and how to put these advanced technologies into their applications and how to make money and how to move these computers for IBM. And it was going fantastic. And you know, the AS400 turned out to be the highest selling computer in the world next to IBM uh, by itself, you know, relational database. It was just an incredible, incredible computer. And once that kind of moved on, Bryce, I got bored and there is nothing in this world that is more <laughs> unsafe as a bored Rick Rude. <laughs> <laughs> And I just kind of kept going back in my thoughts. And I thought, well, now might be a really good time to go to law school. So I was 40 years old and, and I enrolled at, at Hamlin uh, Law School in St. Paul. And, and I was still working at IBM and, and uh, got through my first two years and thought, well, you know, I should probably, probably leave IBM. And so I, I took, a, took a buyout and, and uh, never wanted to practice, just wanted to know law. So I I did a few things uh, with a firm and quickly left that and went out to uh, renewable energy. Uh, Worked with a large company, Cargill, in their their ag department. We worked on on ag waste to energy. So I was helping develop an anaerobic digester. that Like biodigesters? Yes, absolutely. Those are awesome. Yeah, I was working with some of the largest dairy farms. You know, everything is cyclical, Bryce. You yeah. always go back to where you started. I was I was uh, out of law school and I was back on a dairy farm in Idaho Falls, Idaho, working on the Betancourt Dairy Farm. And it was the seven largest dairy farms in the world. And they were beautiful. The cows were so clean and it, it just took such great care. But we worked on bringing their waste into an anaerobic digester that was built by a Dvorak Engineering in Wisconsin. And yep. we spun this around and we made enough electricity to run the farm and then also to sell out onto the network. And all of a sudden they're not top dressing their, their corn, their, their fields with 
cow manure and and uh, corn was growing about three three feet high at the time. And we fixed all of that, took the order out of the air. Problem is we just weren't making a whole lot of money, but it was an experimental thing and it was beautiful. It, yeah. it worked great. And ultimately we sold it off to a German company. And then I found a, another niche on uh, industrial waste. And a lot of it was going to a landfill. Landfills are bad, not good. <laughs> <laughs> that should not be a question. <laughs> yes, it's not good. So my company, uh, Minnesota Environmental Solutions, works on keeping industrial solid waste out of landfills. We, we incinerate it at incineration uh, at waste to energy facilities uh, around the Midwest. And, uh, and that's, that's my main focus. So wrestling and all of the stuff that I've done in my life has always been there since about third grade when dad wanted me to milk cows. It's always been there. So whatever I ever did, whatever was, was difficult, whatever was going wrong, I always had that safe spot to go back to. That safe spot was wrestling. And that was where I belonged. Yeah. And it gave me the drive to get energized again and get back into the world that I lived in. And when that world was, was taking a pause, I would run back and do my officiating. I remember speaking at uh, it was a Minnesota ath- athletic directors conference, and uh, I was at IBM, and this thing was coming that we all well, well we're speaking on it right now the the internet. At that time, it was called the information superhighway, and it wasn't out; it didn't exist. And I was speaking to this group, and my former high school coach Daryl Jagger was the activities director for my old school Stuartville High School, and. Uh, and I explained that you can, you can type onto a computer your schedule for wrestling. You can send it to me and I'll read it and I'll put the officials down. I'll sign those officials and I'll send it back to you. And I'll never forget this, Bryce. Here's this, this old guy and he goes, now let me get this straight. What you're <laughs> telling me is I go into that room and I put some stuff into that, I guess it's that computer thing. And then you're going to read it. And then you're going to send it back to me and I'm going to read it. Well, that just doesn't make any sense. And a little while later, I'm in London at a meeting and Daryl calls my office and said, I need an official for Thursday night. And this was like Monday. And so my pager goes off. My phone had left a message in, uh, in Rochester, Minnesota, notified me. I called back into my phone. It's Daryl and I couldn't resist. And I called Daryl from London, <laughs> explained this whole thing. And he goes, okay, so, so you're going to be our official and you're going to be there Thursday night. But, but let me get this straight. What you're telling me is I called your office in Rochester and you got the call in London. And now you're assigning me a wrestling official from London. Well, that just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and look where we are now. Yeah. You have to live through it to believe it. Actually, it's funny earlier today. Uh, I was just thinking about my job and like how we would even do half of the stuff we do without the internet. And it's, it's just, it's just nuts. Um, yeah. It's uh, brought us the best and the worst things in the world right now in the world we live in. It's that's so very true. So we talked about, you know, wrestling, it got you out of milking cows. That was the first positive of it. It helped you with all your careers and everything. What got you into becoming an official then? Well, I had a, we moved farms <laughs> back to the cows again. We moved farms, dad upgraded, bought a bigger farm. And I moved from Stuartville, Minnesota to Hayfield, Minnesota, the Hayfield Vikings and had a really great fun career there. And, 
and uh, went on to wrestle uh, at, at River Falls and I got hurt, broke my collarbone a couple of times, never had a college career, never, never did anything. Came back, uh, you know, to the farm one weekend and my high school coach came out and gave me a rule book and said, you should study this. You should be an official. I don't think you're going to make it as a teacher. I don't think that's going to be in your cards, <laughs> oh, God. I don't, which means coaching is probably not there, but you should be an official. We need officials. And I, I was helping dad out on the weekend, driving the tractor and the corn wagon. And I was reading the rule book and I thought, wow, that's exactly what I'm going to do. This, this really will keep me involved. And, and then. So I went in and took my test, passed, joined an association in Rochester, Minnesota. Uh, the the wrestling officials, that's what it's called, is a great naming convention there. <laughs> it's like the Dave Matthews band. They just got ready. They're <laughs> like, screw it. There's a whole other line of stories there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I started officiating and and, uh, and I got, I, you know, I, I really became very good, very young. And I had some good mentors around me. And every time a difficult situation came up, I, I just was able to learn from it with these guys. And again, break it into pieces. And what did I do wrong? And how can I, how can I learn from this? And I developed the concept of the toolbox. And as an official, you have a toolbox. We all have a toolbox. And we watch officials. We study officials. We watch wrestlers. We watch coaches. And Bryce, wrestling is cyclical. You know, the better the coaching, the better the wrestling. The better the wrestling, the better the officiating. The better the officiating, the better the coaching. It's a cycle. And we're all in this thing together. And I learned and I learned fast. And, and, and I became pretty good, pretty young. But I could never get a section tournament. I could never break into the pre-state tournament, the section in, in Minnesota, because these guys ahead of me were so darn good. So, and my numbers were pretty high. My Coaches' ratings were, were pretty high, but again, I could never get a section. And uh, strangely enough, Bryce, I got I got hired to the state tournament in Minnesota for my first session, and I had never worked a session, a section, and uh, got a chance to meet a, a, another crew of just great officials at, at the state tournament level, and and we were blessed. Minnesota had some very very good high school officials, and 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 others that that weren't. But again, in the toolbox concept, I would see the things that worked. Bryce, I would break them apart and bring them into my toolbox. That became my style. I would find things that did not work and I did not like them. And I didn't believe they belonged there. Cast those aside. And pretty soon you, you develop a pretty good core of tools and you become a good official. And that's how I started. And, and ultimately I took over the wrestling officials association and changed it to the Southern Minnesota Wrestling Officials, Officials Association. We expanded from six referees to right now today, 65 referees. And we cover from the Minneapolis, St. Paul metro area, south to Iowa, over to Wisconsin and over to South Dakota. Uh, we cover a large area of, of Southern Minnesota. And we've got some great, great officials. And, and we really strengthen our officials through communication. Something could happen in a small town uh, on a Tuesday night. And I will guarantee you, Bryce, that by 10 o'clock the next day, I will have that communicated around to the officials around the state. This is a situation that could occur. And here's how we like you to call it. And, and most importantly, here's why. You know, not just this is what, this is what you're going to do, but here's why. And, and it would foster discussion. And that's the best way to learn. And everything is broken down 
built back up again, and this is our policy. Yeah. And it's worked very, very well, and, it, and it's fun. I, I really enjoy it. I really like that why. Um, I'm pretty, you're probably familiar, but Simon Sinek, you, he talks about always start with why. Um, kind of like when you're building a business or, or, or anything, right? Honestly, like if you know why you're doing something, it's way easier to do it and remain steadfast in, in what you're doing, right? If you understand the purpose. That's it. Yeah. Walt Disney told us a long time ago, if you don't know where you're going, any road's going to take you. <laughs> I haven't heard that one. Um, how many associations are in Minnesota then? Do you know? Yeah, five associations. So that's manageable. It, it, it is. And, and through my my course, I, I worked under a lot of people for a long time. And, and two years ago, I was I was anointed the position of coordinator of officials for Minnesota. So I'm the, the rules coordinator in Minnesota. I had some great people ahead of me. And oh, by the way, they're on speed dial. Yeah. I need anything. I know where to find them. And, uh, and, and they were just super, super mentors and trainers and friends that I had a lot of respect in. I have now taken over that position. But the thing that I strongly push is communication, Bryce. Yeah. And that's why I just love what you're doing right here. I mean, you're communicating some things out into the wrestling world that normally we would never hear. We'd never get some of these stories and they're fantastic. And I think we can all benefit from them. Same thing with officiating, just something again could happen at Tuesday evening in some town in Minnesota by 10 o'clock the next day, I will have it communicated and we're all going to learn from it. So when I became the coordinator of, of officials in Minnesota, I built the staff underneath me and it's one person from each one of the associations. So all five associations are, are represented. That's, and, that's, that, that's where I was kind of driving at. Um, sorry to cut you off there, but no. I, um, obviously I'm, I'm newer on the scene. I've been involved in wrestling pretty much just, you know, like you said, third grade, I didn't do it to get out of milking cows. It was kind of, you're going to wrestle in my family. You're vertically challenged and, and your dad wrestled. So that's what you're going to do. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, it's just funny how all, everyone had, kind of has that, the associations, right. And then you said, well, then I brought a person in because representation and I've been mulling it over with some friends of mine that are officials. Um, just like, how could we make, you know, how could we maybe do it better to communicate now that the world's used to doing meetings on zoom. There's nothing that can replace being in a room with people and camaraderie and all no. of those things. But I wonder how we could maybe get communication between associations and assignments and things and cross over rather than, Hey, you just occupy this part of the state. Leave me alone. You know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah. when you have such a shortage of officials, like we do in Ohio, like you're going to have to, you know, people are going to have to travel. We're going to have to figure it out. Um, and I don't know what I don't know yet, but it's interesting to hear your structure and your setup there. So thanks. Um, is Bill Olson in your association? Bill Olson is, he's my brother. No, not bloodline or anything. Yeah. yeah. I met Bill at a, uh, yes, he is. He's yeah. in my association and, and he's our money man. And, and uh, he pretty much runs, runs the association when I'm doing other things. And um, when I was at Hayfield High School, Bill was at Leroy Ostrander. And he was a year ahead of me. And we met at a Mankato State wrestling camp in the summer. And we've been friends ever since. <laughs> really? That's awesome. Yeah, just a yeah, uh, great guy. Matter of fact, when Bill's first child was married, I officiated the wedding. And it was the first wedding I ever officiated. And uh, yeah, we're quite we, close. 
Yeah, so it's Reverend Rick Rude. <laughs> <laughs> you left the ravishing. Of the the ravishing Reverend Rick Rude. Yes. That's what we were laughing about before we got on. I'm glad we could work that into the show. Um, I tell you <laughs> Good what. Good job man. with that. Hey, you know, I've done, <laughs> I've done 18 of these. Um, uh, he was a blast to have on the show. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just so cool because how I got to meet you th- was through another official, too. I think he might have officiated that for his <laughs> wedding, too, right? I did, yeah. Oh, let's see. So Laren Michael, right? So Laren. And I don't know. Laren you know, and the lovely Kimberly. Yes. Laren is awesome. Uh Laren's the one that taught me this time and and uh, trained me to get my um license. I don't not do my haven't done my mechanics yet. So but uh yeah, I put a thing out on Facebook and I was like, hey, I wanna I wanna interview an official from every state in the next 340 days, because it was 25 days in. Cause I like to set crazy goals. And I got like 27 texts that night alone <laughs> and like 15 of them were familiar he's like you gotta talk to this you gotta talk to rick you gotta <laughs> talk to bill and i'm like that's great i want to but I, what am i supposed to do to put a smoke signal up <laughs> i was like larry yeah, right. an introduction <laughs> and uh and here we are so it's just so cool uh the wrestling brotherhood and the officiating brotherhood and how that made this happen um yeah. So what else is going on in Minnesota that you're excited about this year? Then we might have a semi-normal year. Um, you know, what, what's some things to be excited about? Well, I think, Bryce, those are the key words. You know, when we were on our national call, rules and turf call this summer, the big thing was, guys, we're going to get back to a normal season. We're going to have a normal season. We're going to give everybody wrestling back. So our, our changes this year are, are not significant. You know, we added the five-minute head, neck, and cervical injury timeout. But again, many states, Minnesota, one of them, has tried that about two years ago to have it as a standalone injury timeout. It's important, and it's about time that we in the wrestling world have focused on head, neck, and cervical injuries, concussions. Let's dive into that, though. Can you explain it in a little more depth? Because if that's something new, um, one of the things to do before the season is to get to know your rules. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, so. Yeah, the head, neck, and cervical is a is an injury timeout that uh, originated in Wisconsin. Wisconsin had been doing it for many years, and finally the National Federation said this is the right thing to do for us to focus on it. So what what is going to occur is uh, in a in a wrestling match, uh, something happens and in in wrestler A is injured. Uh, he or she goes down. The referee stops the match, starts the injury time, brings the certified healthcare professional over i just got a pause stay where you're at but i love how it sounds like you are literally writing a, a, a something in the casebook wrestler a healthcare <laughs> certified healthcare professional because i've been reading my casebook so this is great go ahead oh it's uh it's actually easy to read bryce because it's yeah. tattooed on my eyelid <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> this uh this comes from mr Reeland too by the way he's uh, very good at this um so the, the official stops the match, brings the, the, uh, the appropriate healthcare professional out. And, and, and key point here, the appropriate healthcare professional is appointed by the site as the healthcare person for that wrestling event. Dual, tri, quad, tournament, that person is the medical person. So nobody is coming down from the stand saying, oh, by the way, I'm a doctor, I can handle this. It is that person that makes the call that I need more time to check this wrestler out for potential concussion for areas of head, neck, and cervical injury. 
So the referee literally is getting the, the advice from the appropriate healthcare professional. We're starting the head, neck, and cervical injury timeout. That's the signal we give to the head table. And important to note that at that time, the injury time that we had started stops and is replenished, given back. The time that was used stopped and, and restored, given back. We now start five minutes of full head, neck, and cervical uh, injury timeout and review. You can only call it once per match. If it happens a second time, the wrestler's done appropriately. So they need attention. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, it can only be called by the appropriate healthcare professional. And they override, they override anyone, correct? And as it should be. Yes. Uh, you know, I can tell you about industrial solid waste and you can tell me about a number of things from your world. And so can, uh, can Bill and everybody else from their side of the world. Head, neck and cervical requires a medical professional. And we're going to give them five minute time out in wrestling to review it. And they're not going to make any, any, you know, solid, you know, um, they're not doing an MRI, whatever, but they're going to say, I need time with this wrestler. And that's what that we're going to let them go. Now with that, if there's no appropriate healthcare professional assigned to that event, the referee is going to err on the side of safety. And if that wrestler's stumbling, if there's some uh, instability, we're going to call the match. And that yeah. wrestler is going to be taken aside. And we will only have our one and a half minutes two injury timeouts, one and a half minutes total uh, to use for, for that assessment. So the head, neck, and cervical stands on its own. Five-minute injury timeout can only be called by the appropriate healthcare professional, can only be used once in a match. Thank you for diving into that. I think it's really important that, you know, who knows how many coaches actually read the rule book. We all, we all know that, that we think, and I'm a coach too, so I can say this, we all know that we think we know the rules. And I'll tell you what, I learned a lot of things that I thought were rules that I'm like, oh, I probably sounded like a real idiot for the last few years. <laughs> um, you know, um, like the whole the whole one, uh, oh, he's got to have his knee down when you're mat returned. Well, no, you just have to return him under your care, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so so that's that's interesting. Anytime there's a opportunity i'll call it to learn um hopefully coaches watch the show as well and now they can check that box there yeah um yeah. what else in minnesota so that's the uh that's the main uh new rule uh others that uh, you know we always had the option of wearing socks during the weigh-ins and there was this thing that came out that they've got to be low-cut socks and now you can wear any size sock you want. <laughs> There's no issue with that uh, for the weigh-in. Once you have them on, you can't take them off. And if you didn't have them on, you can't, can't put them on. Yeah. So, uh, and that's just kind of a, a cleanup rule. Uh, but those are the, the two main changes. So we're still weighing in uh, shoulder to shoulder uh, with the weigh-in uniform, full uniform, full coverage for both men and women wrestlers. And, uh, you know, if any skin checks are going to be taken care of, uh, you know, with the uniform on in Minnesota. And, uh, and by the way, that, that uniform change <clears throat> is awesome because what it does is that it makes it so much easier um, on officials, on coaches and everything for athletes, for teams that have a, a young lady on their team as well. Absolutely. And then yeah. also with weight cutting and things. Um, you know, if you can't make weight in your, in your singlet, then, you, you know, you're probably doing something you shouldn't be doing, even though there's right. rules in place. But uh, I got to say hats off to the Ohio Athletic Committee. Um, and I'm a little biased. My cousin and, and my father work there, but they've been doing this for almost 10 years. 
um, because they have they've had young girls and boys, so they're in their full uniform. Um, and then even then, that's when people started coming up with they call them weigh-in singlets. Have you heard of these things? Yeah, yeah, ridiculous for like three tenths of a pound. It's just there's money to be made. <laughs> people will make it, right? Oh, absolutely. And it was just a matter of time. It was coming. <laughs> so outside of the rules and stuff, what are some big tournaments you got going on this year or ones that you do annually that you always look forward to? Well, uh, you know, the, the big one is, uh, is the clash in Minnesota. And, and, you know, we're very fortunate to have someone like Bill Olson coordinating the officials on, on that front. And we bring in, Bill brings in some, some fantastic officials from around the nation. And when we get all of those, all of those heads in the same room, uh, you know, the, uh, the vigor, the knowledge that comes out of that is just fantastic, as well as the different teams that come in. And we guess we I don't know how many states are, are covered in that this year. I mean, we've had, you know, over 20 different states have uh, have teams in there. Some fantastic wrestling. And I will say once you come out of the clash after a weekend of officiating the clash, your next couple matches seem quite simple. Um, <laughs> just every single match you do could be a state championship match. These, these kids coming in are so good and they're so well coached and it's such a well-run tournament. And, and again, from the official standpoint, we get a chance to sit down in the room and I have a, a gathering I do with all of the officials and their wives, if they bring their wives and, you know, we have a dinner and we just talk about the different rules and we're in Minnesota. So we're going to follow Minnesota rules and here's how we do it. And then I'll get a chance to hear how they do it in, in other States in certain situations. For example, in Minnesota toes are supporting points. So if there's two supporting points and there are two toes, that could be mine and yours. That's two supporting points. Wrestling continues. You wrestle in Minnesota until you're off the map, you wrestle off the map and officials don't catch wrestlers going off the mat. We have safety mats in place. So we're in position to score those points that are quite frankly missed too many times right on the sideline. And we're looking for two supporting points in balance. And when there's not, then we stop it and bring them back. Uh, in a pinning situation, you can have two toes in and every other wrestler and every other part of the wrestler out. And we're calling near fall. As long as they're still on the mat, we're calling near fall. And you can secure a fall in that case with just toes in. So we talk about those things and those differences. And it was kind of funny because I would mentioned Punahou earlier in this discussion. Punahou is a, a good school in Hawaii, a, a fantastic school. And it's a private school. And, and they brought up couple teams and they were just fantastic athletes fantastic people uh, we got them on snowmobiles for the weekend and and uh, they got a chance to race through the snow and saw them outside and uh, in their skivvies catching snow in their mouth they'd never seen snow in Hawaii thank god <laughs> but uh, uh, you know they came up and 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 the coach said you know you guys call a loss of control different than we've ever seen it. I mean, we have to have complete separation, turning face to face, and then maybe for the rest feeling good, we're going to get one out of it. We'll do a loss of control if, in fact, control is no longer held. We'll do a loss of control and, and put them in a neutral and, and signal it. You'll see many times the official will will just go up and signal it, you know, lots of control. We're neutral now. 
And, and I think that's a good call. And I think it, it took a little bit of interpretation of the rules to get us to that point. But we see a lot of states do it the exact same way. And, uh, you know, I know Punahou had noted at the clash that everybody called it that way and everybody was consistent. And Bryce, these are officials from 20 different states that all called it the same way. That's a tribute to the National Federation and how they roll it out. Guys like Jim Vreeland, you know, myself in Minnesota and other areas where we just communicate those changes. And, and you know, in wrestling, control is felt, not observed. And many times you have no idea how the ref is calling control and from the stands. It just doesn't make any sense. But as a wrestler and having been down there on that mat, you know, wrestler A is in control and you know why, you know, again, it's, 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 it's felt, not observed. And it sounds like uh, sounds like it's more of a college style with those two rules in particular. Got it. I, I think it is. Yeah, I yeah. think it bridges these high school good high school wrestlers into college. Yeah, and that probably probably explains part of the reason why Minnesota is just so tough and putting out all Americans all the time in college. No, I'm serious because I really do believe, and I got away from it because actually someone told me you talk about this on every show, so I stopped talking about it. But I do believe, you know, four years of wrestling, and if you're doing it. And you're invested, right? You're not just doing it to hang out with your buddies or whatever. And I'm not saying you're a world beater, but if you you plan on going into college and you wrestle, I'm just going to use Ohio, and you can't get out on bottom. You you just you can't um, because you because you, you just don't get to wrestle down there because we call stalling on top. <laughs> so you know what I mean? It's just yeah. it's not conducive. So then you go, and I'm telling you. Watch some of these kids that have come out of Ohio that are like four-time state champs, high recruits, and then watch them struggle their first year in college, their second yeah. year in college. And I'm, it has to be that. I mean, it ha- what else could it be? Um, so I really believe the officiating, and I'm not placing blame, but I believe that the officiating in those formative years is really important because it's just like if you've never wrestled freestyle and you just switch from folk style to freestyle, <laughs> good luck. You know, well, I mean, yeah. that's easier than Greco, yeah. but I mean, and, and Bryce, you're spot on. I mean, it's, it, we are all a matter of our experiences. And if you experience four, you know, four or five years of high school wrestling at a certain way, and then all of a sudden you break into college and it's different, you have not experienced some of the things that you need to come into the program with. Yeah. And I, I think we are fortunate in some areas. And I think you know, you did touch on it. Minnesota has had some good young wrestlers come out of here, but I attribute it to, you know, the, the rules and the application of the rules a little bit closer to college, but also just constant wrestling. We have a group here called the, the NYWA. It's the Northern Youth Wrestling Association. And these are kids from, from five years old up to sixth grade. And in the state, we probably have 3,000 kids that are in this program. My association has dedicated all of our officials, and these are going to be officials that last week they ref the state finals. And this week, they're going to be refing the NYWA tournament. They may be down on their knees with some of these kids, but they're refing that tournament. These kids get the best experienced officials refing their matches. Now, Bryce, this is important because we've done this for 15 years now in Minnesota. The NYWA is just, it's fantastic. We have brought out the Burgies that went on to Penn State. We brought out uh, Patrick Kennedy, uh, the Carlson boys out of, uh, out of Wilmer. These were sixth grade 
outstanding wrestler of the year, the very next year as a seventh grader. And in Minnesota, you can wrestle on varsity as a seventh grader. They're breaking through into the quarterfinals of the individual because they are that good. Yeah. And uh, um, uh, Mark Hall. Yeah. You know, I mean, we brought some great kids, but they come through this this little kids program and and they're 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 fired up. They they just simply know the rules. And we don't see a lot of problems in high school because they know one, you just don't talk back to the referee. Your coach doesn't talk back to the referee. We're on the same keel, if you will. We're on the same level. We're on the same platform. We, we know that I'm going to make the call. It may not be popular, but this is the way it's going to be. And, and, and we communicate, you know, so we, we talk all the way through and, and these kids are ready. They're ready. And when they get into high school, they're good. And when they get through high school and they move on to college, they succeed. And yeah. it's, it's youth, expectations. Youth wrestling is really important, but what you said, those events um, and with the good officials is we've seen Ohio wrestling grow leaps and bounds. So we have something similar that Ohio athletic committee that I mentioned. So they have a grade school state. So I think that's six, it's 12, 12 and under. Right. So there's yep. age divisions. Then you have junior high state that's been going on like 27 years now. But I mean, you've got some of the, like you said, some of the, the people that come through that, they see the process. Um, even at the tournament I'm referencing, there's a tunnel just like the one in high school that you're going to come out of for the mm -hmm. parade of champions. There's a smoke machine and the lights are out and there's strobe lights and they do this video and like this, just like the state tournament. So if yep. you start when you're in fifth grade, you could have done this, you know, X amount of years. So then when you get there as a freshman, it's like, ah, done this before, you well, know, the shock and awe is no longer there. Yeah. And, and, it. and they, and they know how to interact with officials and they know yeah. what it's like to be on that stage. And what that does is like you said, wrestling is about positioning. you got to be put in positions and get used to those and learn how to act and react. And it's no different mentally too. Right. Like if, you, if you're not mentally prepared for the situation you're going into, it doesn't matter how athletic you are. I've seen some of the best athletes, you know, that just can't get their head straight or yeah. manage uh, anxiety or stress. And, and I, I think you need both sides. So it's really cool to hear that you guys are doing that. And it makes a lot of sense with those names that you mentioned. And, and it's fun, but, you know, it allows me to uh, to really promote officiating. And I put an ad in the every one of the local uh, NYWA newspapers and flyers that we're looking for officials and and there be some dads that you know dads i mean these are established people they're, they've had a job in the house mortgage and they're there and now they say gosh you know maybe i should try officiating and we pulled some great people in it's helping me bring our numbers in our new officials in minnesota uh, and by the way i'm going to take a little segue into promoting officiating that's where i wanted to go next anyhow <laughs> <laughs> this is working out right yeah uh we bring in, uh, you know, one of our top officials and he does a Zoom meeting like this with all new officials, gets them all set on the exact same plane. And when he's done with two very in-depth sessions, and this is how you register, how you use the online tools, how you, uh, you know, you work with the state tools, how you fill out evaluations as to where you stand on the mat, where you're positioning, all of it. And when they're done with this program, then they go to their associations and the associations do the actual mentoring uh, level two next. And it's really working. We're getting good numbers. We got over 20 new officials in Minnesota in wrestling this year. And I'm really excited about that. And, I, you know, the, the secret is really the, the retention. You know, 
how do we hang on to these guys? And, and I think getting them partnered up with a good senior official and getting them out on the mat is, is how we hang on to them. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. Um, it's just like, it's just like when you're starting out wrestling, I always tell the kids, I'm like, if you got a buddy, bring them to practice because <laughs> wrestling's tough and it's a lot more fun when you've got a buddy that you can maybe be up on or just say hey to during the water break. Right. Absolutely. Um, so, and and so, anybody can wrestle. Anybody can wrestle. You know? Yeah. I had that conversation yesterday and that's, that's what's so great about it. Any body shape, any, you know, type doesn't matter. It's yeah. a sport for everyone. We're changed, you know, think of how the weights have changed and, and everything to make it even more um, inclusive this year with the uh, changing of the weights too. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's helpful. It is. And, you know, I, I know in my 42 years of doing this and it, it certainly it's, it's just flown by, but it's very clear to me that anybody can wrestle and, and you got to have the head, you've got to have the thoughts, you've got to have the heart. But the, the best match I have ever worked in all of my years, hands down without any hesitation, Bryce, is a young man named Justin Turek. I never knew Justin, had no idea who he was. And I just drew him at the state finals. And we have quite a rotation. So you don't know which referee is going to be on which match. And, uh, and, and I drew Justin Turek. And Justin was a, a unique kid. Uh, he had a, a birth defect and, and he only had one arm. And I... No idea how he made the finals. I had no idea how he made the state tournament until I saw him wrestle. And he was so amazing. And he beat this Dvorak kid from Scott West, four to three, a heck of a match. I don't know how many years ago this was. This was a long time ago. But I, I was so impressed to, to raise his hand as a state champion. And honestly, and this is even <laughs> this is emotional. You know, I had tears running down my face when I was raising his hand. I said, this, this is so fantastic that, you know, a, a physically disabled young man could, could accomplish this. And for the rest of his life, he's got a label that goes on the other labels that are unfairly given to him, but he's got a label. He's a state champion. And, and it was he was just amazing. It was just an amazing match. And it, it, it really hit me a little bit more because my son is, is a, a paralyzed. He's a paraplegic and a stupid mistake the night he was born, paralyzed him. But he, and I pressed it, he, he was a fantastic athlete himself and plays sled hockey. If you've ever seen sled hockey, they sit on the ice and push themselves with, with sticks and shoot with both hands. And he became very good and, and uh, won a national tournament and you just, but when I saw Justin come out in that pad, it just, that's the real neat thing about wrestling. Anybody can do it. Anybody yeah. can do it if you want to. It's so awesome when those moments happen um, and they don't happen every year, few and far between, but you know, I've had, I've been at the state tournament a couple of times when some really cool stuff has happened similar to that um, last year, because it was COVID, you know, we got to have a state tournament, but we have three divisions. They did them in different places. Um, yeah. I've mentioned this first ever female to place at state in the all boys. That was cool. Um, in division yeah. two, um, first person to ever win a match that was born blind um, oh, wow. at state. He, his first match though, he drew Patty Gallagher, who was like the number one pound for pound recruit out of St. Edwards. That's going to Ohio state. So he had to wrestle in first round 
that didn't go well. And then he bounces back, you know, and wins his next match. So it's those stories are the things that just completely validate what you said. You know, if there's a will, it's a way. And, you know, we have sell out Anthony Robles how many years ago? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I remember this had to be back in like 1996. I kind of still remember is at Parma and there's a, a young man had no legs and he was wrestling. Right. And I'm like, man, this got to be really, really rough. Like how, you know, rough. And then 20 something years later, you see that and you're like, holy cats. Like, yeah, it pulls us out of the positions that we hold and we just get all the way back to the ground. Think, wow. This is special. This is really special. And then, I mean, in a different way too, we got to witness it this last year, just with how amazing our, and, and this is different, but I mean, just those moments that make you proud to be a part of the sport. You know, when I saw our women's team with only four, you know, four Olympiads, we've only been around and metal like that. I'm like, holy cow. Like yeah. my niece, you know, is going to grow up in a world where, you know, maybe she doesn't want to wrestle, but at least she could, if she wants, could if she wanted to, you know, um, and that's the way it should be. Um, man, thank you for sharing that story. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's good stuff. Oh, thank um, you. It's a story that needs to be told more. And, and, you know, we need to share this kind of stuff that, you know, wrestling's not just swelling the ears and getting out there with a thick neck and getting at it. There's some incredible, incredible success stories that make us all better people. And life lessons. I mean, you said yes. it right off the rip, man, you know, that you learn from that loss. And then for the rest, you know, as you went into computer science, then into law, into officiating, you know, you started breaking down things and piecing them back together. And I would imagine, you know, all the speaking that you've done um, in your job at IBM and, 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 you know, with your job now and maybe with, you know, when uh, during law school, I would imagine that makes you a better communicator with uh, uh, coaches, too, when they call you to the table. Well, you know, I think it does. And that's an art in itself. You know, there's high emotions and you've experienced that in, you know, in, in your officiating career. And. And in what you do, um, and I think what I try to follow is just a kind of an Iraq rule. You know, is, what is the issue? Know the issue. And to know the issue as an official, you have to just simply listen. Let the coach talk. What, what is the concern? And then after the issue is known, state the rule, the holding after that. What did you hold? Why did I, why did I do this? Here was the issue. Here's the rule. Here's how I applied it. And then summarize it and then stand back. But we as officials don't have to talk. We have to listen and let the coach explain the situation. And sometimes it's a full circle and you never said a word. And the coach leaves and we resume wrestling. <laughs> and they're yeah. just something that needed to get out. And, yeah. you know, you know it, it's just, it, it, it's part of the communication I talked about earlier. It's one of the strongest, strongest parts of this world, I believe. We just have to listen. Yeah. And, and with that, something that came out of a call I got to do earlier this week for an upcoming show um, was, you know, the, the retention that you mentioned before. And most of the time when people quit, it's just because they're getting sick of being berated, right? For yeah, yeah. giving up, you know, X amount of time to drive to and from events and then go in the, you know, the gym and all that other stuff. And one of the things that she made me, Kim uh, Hernandez, made me think about is, one, have I ever pushed an official out because of how I acted that I hope the answer is no. And I don't think I ever have, if I have, then they probably needed to go anyhow. Cause I'm not that, yeah. <laughs> not that vocal, but it also made me think 
well, if I know an official at an event, maybe I should ask, hey, who are the new officials? So that way, if there's a knowing that there might be some calls that are a little bit questionable, but if I do need to call someone to the table, just know, hey, this, is, this person's learning. Is yeah. it junior high? <laughs> there's no scholarships being given out and I want you to be there next right. year. So these conversations are what I think help me draw on maybe when I'm losing up, getting ready to lose it, right? Just be like, okay, hold on, dude. You know, like, because now, especially how would that look? I'm talking with officials on a podcast. I lose my mind in the corner of a junior high match. <laughs> Good way to get canceled. Well, you know, we we uh, we we talked earlier about, and I mentioned earlier about how I believe everything is cyclical, and and in wrestling specifically, and, and some of the best officials that have worked with me and for me and myself included have been mentored uh, by some incredible coaches, and coaches have a very keen eye on what they look for in officials. And, and we sort through some of the stuff we get back from them. However, the better, the better officials listen to coaches, listen to what they have to say. And, and, you know, the, the better the coaching, the better the officiating, the better the officiating, the better the wrestling, the better the wrestling, the better the coaching. It's a cycle. We're all in this together. And I'll send a new guy out to a school and I'll send him out with a, I know there's a senior coach there and I'll get a hold of the coach early and say, Pull him off to the side, you know, grab a cup of coffee and sit on and chat. Let him know what you saw and what you like. Tell him what you like and, and tell him areas that he, you think he should work on. And, uh, and then have him get back with me or with some of our mentors, uh, officials, and we'll work on those things. We'll make them better. We'll break those pieces apart. We'll fix them. We'll put it all back together and it'll be a much better machine. And it works. That's awesome. Well, Hopefully people that are listening can try that approach too. I, I think the theme for most of our conversation today is communication, man. And I liked your point about just listening because uh, really at the, when someone's angry, sometimes most of the time they just want catharsis. They just want to be heard and know that they're heard. Acknowledge it. Cause like you said, you can listen and you don't have to say anything and you can listen to feedback too. And, and they can be like, well, I think this should be, you should have done this. You don't have to change anything. No. But by listening, you've kind of placated them a little bit. Um, yeah. Wow. Hey, man, so fun. This is awesome. Uh, it's always great to spend an, an hour talking wrestling. Um, I want to catch up with you offline. So stick around. You still got some time? Will do. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Anything? Thank you. I, I love what you do and, you know, getting the different stories out, uh, you know, on wrestling and the wrestling base. And we certainly cover a lot of things uh, other than wrestling and life, but it all comes back to wrestling. And these are stories that need to be heard. And thank you for communicating them. Well, thanks for giving me the opportunity to tell your story. Um, I'm looking forward to telling a whole bunch more. So stay tuned. All right. Thanks, Rick. Thank you.